ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, they down? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Joe. Jeremy is on vacation for the next three days, so I'm filling in for Jeremy today and tomorrow. Pat's in on Friday. Joel? Yes? We've got Astros to talk about because they stunk last night. Yes? Hunter Brown was meh. Jordan Alvarez is back. Yeah, the good, the bad, and the Jordan. Uh, We've got a lot of trade rumors that are flying for... We've spent a lot of time on this show talking about two guys from Chicago named Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger. And all of a sudden, Luis Robert and Dylan Cease are... The biggest names at the deadline that the Astros are going after, apparently. We'll talk about that in about 30 minutes. Let's talk about last night's game first because the offense gets going early. Josh Chavant's producing. I got the name right. He's on Twitter at IMJ Chevy. Um, Chavant. Chavant's. Uh, I can't get Dell's you last You really name, right? hacked the hell out of it with Dell. I heard that. Yep. It was yeah. embarrassing, yep. but it happens. Chump of the week probably coming for Joe George right there. On the daily. Um, but last night's game, the Astros offense obviously gets going early in the first inning. Then the Rockies respond, and then the bats go missing in action. They go full milk carton. They're gone for the rest of the game, and the Astros lose 4-3 to three to the Rockies last night in just a disappointing game. We talked yesterday on the show. It's like, do you want them to go 4-2? and two? Do you want them to go 5-1? and one? Of course, we'd all love for them to go 6-0 and oh on this next stretch. You went four and two. I agreed with you. Well, no, I didn't. I went five and one. I went all. Oh, you out. went five and one. That's right. Yeah, I went all out. They're gonna win the next five, Joel. I don't think so. I uh, I don't like the way this team is consistently inconsistent. I don't like the fact that when you play a team that is going to be one of the upper echelon teams in baseball, you handle your business. But then you play a team that's starting an opener, using their bullpen. You get multiple opportunities of runners in scoring position, which seems to be the uh, the factor that is consistent. And you consistently don't do anything to get runs in. And then sometimes, like the Angels game the other night, you find a way to scrap enough runs together to pull out a victory and pull one out of your hiney. But overall, this team is too good to be playing this badly against a team that's this bad in that environment. So I'll, let's start with Hunter Brown, because obviously he gets rocked a little early. He kind of settles in for the rest of the game. At one point, his pitch count was so high through the first three innings, I was like, he might not go five. Mm -hmm. And they know that right now they're not getting any length. So he goes as far as he can. He's he's okay. But I I thought Hunter Brown was – we saw yesterday what we talked about at the end of the show yesterday as well. Yesterday at the end of the show, we talked about expectations versus reality. Like if you look at Mauricio Dubon and Jeremy Pena, their stats this year, they're basically the same player. Mauricio Dubon, deemed by me and Chandler Rome, is first half MVP, but everyone views Jeremy Pena as a severe disappointment this year for expectation. What was happening last night on Astros Twitter to me shows that, like, you've been saying it a lot, and I think it's really fair, is the word spoiled. The expectations versus what they should have been for Hunter Brown are out of control. Like, what is it if you if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck? It's a duck. Mm-hmm. 
Everyone thought this year, if it throws like Justin Verlander and it acts like Justin Verlander, it's Justin Verlander with Hunter Brown. He's not. No. But He's a rookie. Look, Joe, let's be honest. It's unfair for anybody, no matter how highly touted, and he wasn't, but no matter how highly touted you are by any organization, it is grossly unfair to be the next version of whoever, right? Big if time. you're the next MJ, if you're the next Verlander, if you're the next whoever, it is grossly unfair to who and puts too much undue pressure on whoever that next is supposed to be. And I think it's entirely unfair to put on Hunter Brown what was put on him. Now, because what doubles down on that is he pitched well last year. So because of that and the comparisons and all the hype, now everybody believes, well, it's this is Jeremy Pena only in a different uh, in a pitching uh, prospect where all of a sudden now the expectation is you can never take a step back. You can never digress. You have to be this way and better the rest of your career because that's what we say so because that's what we saw and what everybody said we were supposed to believe. And it's just not that easy. And look, and it, it's, I'm not saying like the Hunter Brown, the last stretch has not been severely disappointing because he has been. Like it was so good so early. But to expect that Hunter Brown was going to go through this this season and be that good and be the runaway rookie of the year and all these different things, like maybe even a Cy Young winner. Like we said on this show early on, he looks like a future Cy Young winner. But the key word is future. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's not that I'm giving him an, a pass for how he's performed, but the expectation versus the reality of what a rookie major league pitcher is going to look like are so far apart right now. What you got last night from Hunter Brown was good enough. It was good enough. You scored three runs in the first inning against one of the worst teams in baseball, and your starting pitcher gave up four. You should have won that game last night. And while you're struggling, the Rangers are taking advantage of playing the worst, one of the worst good teams, in quotes, in baseball, the Guardians. And now they're taking down the Rays, and their lead's growing again, and you're losing ground rapidly in the first five days of the second half. That was your best Jeremy Branham in a long time. Thanks. That was really good. Uh, I agree with you, Joe, but but here's the thing. I'm sitting there going, and I'm, I, you know what? It's almost to the point where I am now drinking orange Kool-Aid because I'm watching the game last night, and the first thing that I'm thinking is, well, let's not over-criticize Hunter Brown because he's in altitude, so the slider isn't sliding as much. The curveball's up in the zone more than it should be. It's, it's altitude-based stuff that I'm not going to worry about because the fastball's still there. We have to get to a point where we get past that and realize if there's a tweak that needs to be made, make it. If there's something that's not being done the way it's supposed to be done, work on it. Don't hide it. Don't mask it. Don't deny it. But start working on it because there's too much talent there to not think that you're right. Big picture, long term, this guy has a whole lot of success in front of him. But because your team is, is so good, has been so good, and therefore expectations are so high every single year, and this year is no different, the expectation is if you're in the rotation for the Houston Astros, you need to be mowing guys down. You need to be getting quality starts. You need to be doing everything that every other starter named Garcia and Urquidy and all these other guys before you that have filled into some place in this rotation are supposed to do. Yeah. And it's unfair. It is. And, and that's where... Look, he, like I say, he wasn't perfect, but they should have won last night. Jeremy Pena, you know, and the defense last night is what let this Astros team down. That play by Jake Myers is a joke. It was absolutely atrocious. Chaz McCormick, not good. And we'll talk more about the defense here in the next segment. 
But the one thing that the offense failed to do last night was take advantage of when there was guys on base. Jeremy Pena, you know, had a guy with two men on first and third, I think twice, and he got double play, I think both times. Like he just didn't, he's not coming through in the clutch in the way you need him to. And like this offense just isn't, they're not producing in the way you need on a consistent basis. Like the way you said it earlier, like just like this segment was, they're consistently inconsistent is the perfect way to describe the Houston Astros this year. Right. And, and, and so from a standpoint of what is expectations versus reality, it's the same conversation we had yesterday. The expectations of Astros fans and baseball critics who don't watch enough Astros baseball on a daily basis was that Jeremy Payne was supposed to pick up where he left off as the American League Championship Series MVP and the World Series MVP, and he was supposed to be the next A-Rod and Jeter combined. And the fact of the matter is, and I said this at the start of the season, the expectation should be that he should be at or a little better than he was the last year in the regular season. It's a grind. It's 162. He's still getting his feet wet. It's easy to say over a two- or three-week period of time, you can get red hot. You can do the things he did. It's not normal, but maybe because he's not normal, he's still better than average, but he's not there yet, and we don't know if he'll ever get to what the lofty expectations were of him, but it's grossly unfair to think of and then be critical of a guy in his second year who's already accomplished so much for you to be so heavily criticized. That's true, but with the game last night, you know, look, the Astros were 2 for 11 with runners in scoring position. They left seven seven guys on base, and Jeremy Pena was 0 for 2. You know, Jose Abreu was 0 for 2. The only two guys with hits last night with runners in scoring position were Corey Jokes and Chaz McCormick, and, like, that's consistently happening. You know, they went... The Rockies got their 37th win last night, and they went with a, a, a an opener. Yeah. Like, you, you should have smashed this team... I mean, that's what I said to you on both accounts. This is not something uh, on the runners in scoring position. This was a massive problem in the Angels series. This has been a massive problem all year. It's not getting guys at or beyond second base. It's getting them across the plate, which they just seemingly can't find a way to do. Now, the easy answer is, well, we're getting Jordan back. Well, we're getting Altuve back. That'll change everything. You hope so, but you don't know so because even when they were in the lineup, not together because that was only 13 games, but when they've been in the lineup, it hasn't made a significant change enough for you to believe that that's enough to get you over the hump. Yeah, and obviously Jordan Alvarez finally started his rehab start. He is in the lineup currently uh, for the Sugarland Space Cowboys. And just a reminder, I can't make any promises, Joel. Mm-hmm. But what I can tell you is that if you go to the Sugarland Space Cowboys website and you click on buy tickets for Friday night for ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 night, you type in the promo code ESPN, you can get tickets for $9.75, and you might be able to see Jordan Alvarez play for less than 10 bucks. That's a good deal. Will Altuve play? I'm starting to wonder, like, if both could be in the lineup. When they Friday. showed him last night saying that he was taking some BP or he was running around doing some things ready for a rehab start, I'm thinking, hey, Friday night would be a nice place to start in Sugarland. Friday night, Jordan Alvarez, maybe Jose Altuve tickets for $9.75. And you get to meet Joe George. I'll be there. And Joel Blank is throwing out the first pitch at the Sugarland Space Cowboys game. Are you nervous? Hey, I, no, I, I did it for the Skeeters. Are you nervous at all? No. You're not nervous at all. All I want you to do as our assistant programming director is make sure they you, they do for me what they did the last time. I got a sweet Skeeters I, jersey the last time. I'll do my best. I want that powder blue okay. Space Cowboys jersey. I will do my best because I right. will say 
My guess is there's going to be a lot more people in attendance on Friday night if Jordan and Altuve are in that lineup. Not because it's ESPN 97.5 night? Maybe a little bit. Okay. I like to think we have a little yeah, bit of a little pull. cachet. Right? All right, coming up next, the Astros defense, it sucked last night. It was not good. Chas McCormick took a ball off the face. Jake Myers with a just ugly play in center field. We talk about it next. He's Joel Blank. I'm Joe George. It's the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here, your family. I don't have friends. I got family. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's Joel Blank. You can find him on Twitter at Pacman. Joel, I am Joe George filling in for Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at Joe George Radio. Josh Chavans on Twitter at I am J Chevy. The Astros lineup is out tonight for today. 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 305 game, right? 305. All right, dummies. Let's see who's in that category. Oh, people, every time we Dude, do. Dude, last this. time you were out when Joel, when Jeremy and I were in, yeah. it was re- the worst it's ever been. People get so worked up about that, like, and call us dumbasses and everything like that. Just listen to it's the show. just a bit. Just listen to the show for once. Like, yeah. it's okay. Like, um, the lineup's out. Mauricio Dubon, Pena, Tucker, Bregman, Abreu. And for the second straight day, Chaz, Jolks, and Myers are all in the lineup together. So Maldonado's catching. See, I, that was interesting to me that I thought that they might give Yiner both starts. So, and today's different where Tucker's the DH, Chaz is in right, Jolks is in left, and Myers is in center. And it's not that Chaz McCormick playing in left field caused him to totally misread a ball and then have it bounce off his face and just kind of get embarrassed. And the fact that they got out of the inning is a miracle. The fact that they did, I thought, well, that gives them a chance to win because I I thought any run scoring, it was over. I'm like, oh, wait a minute now. They got out of that unscathed. There's a chance that they can come up big and win this game now. That'd be fantastic. But the two defensive miscues last night, whether runs scored or not, were just blatantly inexcusable. It was. And the, let's start with Jake Myers. And and let's do that. Dr. Dre is in here. And Sorry. Dre is Dre, all I saw over those this. tweets last yeah, night. Yeah, I did too. Uh, about how, you know, Jake Myers, top 10 center fielder, don't buy it, who, blah, blah, who, blah. Who could he possibly re- be referring to when well, he's talking about? Well, the thing is, is that. Jeremy, because uh, I'll say his name, mm-hmm. uh, is correct that statistically, mm-hmm. by every metric like you can basically look at, Jake Myers is a above average and top 10 center fielder in baseball. Now, the numbers might say that, but I think even Jeremy, if he was here today, would tell you that our eyes versus what those numbers were no longer correlate. This is the classic analytics versus eye test when we talk about, and I always talk about my background in basketball, about Daryl being a little bit more open to the eye test because there's more to it than just what the numbers say. I get it's just like when Jeremy and I go back and forth on ERA. That's just one way of analyzing what we see in terms of how effective a pitcher can be, whether the runs score or not, or how they score if they were unearned, all those things. Jeremy and I have both agreed that he takes bad routes to baseballs. He doesn't seem to be the most S2-ish center fielder we've ever seen, right? And last night was another perfect example. He ain't the sharpest tool in the shed, and he's definitely not the steak knife 
in the drawer. He's more like the soup spoon. You look at him and you go, okay, you need to at least as a professional. Wait, Josh is still trying to figure that out. It'll come to him. You're not the sharpest utensil in the drawer. You're not the steak knife, but he's closer to the spoon. You need to take enough in BP and in pregame to understand every nook and cranny of every wall of every field that you're playing on. It's yeah. one thing to know the left field and the and the cutout at Minute Maid. But you're going to all these different ballparks as a starting center fielder. It's inexcusable that you and your coaching staff don't have you working on how to how to defend these baseballs. The fact that he was basically kissing the wall when he knew that ball wasn't getting out and it wasn't landing in his glove and was in com- completely out of position to do anything with it other than give up an extra base is inexcusable for a major league center fielder. This is where I think that the new schedule throws a wrinkle in baseball. You know, like, this is Jake's first time playing there. Next year, when they when they go to Wrigley, they, we're talking about trying to find a way to go, all of us go. That'll be the first time the Astros have played at Wrigley. It's, it's been at least 10 years because they haven't done it since I've lived in Houston. The Cubs always come here. Like, so, like, this this new wrinkle with the schedule is you'll be going to ballparks you're not used to. And it does cause new issues. And But last night, I just feel like Jake was, like, zoned in on running into the wall and not even catching it. Like, it felt like he had no idea where that ball was going at any point in time, and that's why it just bounced off and he had that ugly slip a little bit as he was trying to go back and get it. Like, it just felt like that play wasn't even just the new ball, the playing in Colorado for probably the first time in his career. He just looked unaware of just like what he was supposed to be doing. I've said this over and over. He constantly has, he has the 24-7 deer in the headlights look anyway. But on those kind of plays, and even the plays when he and Chaz were communicating on balls in the gap in left center. Oh, there was a couple, yeah. Yeah, that it, it just looks like he is completely zoned out of what the actual play is supposed to be and who's supposed to make it, right? Because we heard on even on the one play, Blummer say Chaz called it and he was calling it and suddenly... He pulled back late because he got called off by by Jake. Jake's a guy, when you look at him, that says, okay, look, based on when he came up to the bigs and how he played prior to the injury, he played an unbelievably good center field. He fell way off with the two injuries, the diving with the shoulder, the running into the wall. He completely looked scared to death for a good period of time. He's over that, but one, he can't throw, and two, he can't think because he can't process mid-play what play is supposed to be made. You can't, every good center fielder is going after a baseball like I'm going to get that thing, but even in mid-stride, going after a ball as it gets closer to the wall, you know and you have the wherewithal to say, ain't getting this one, better back off and make sure I hold him to a double. Yeah, and then the, the Chaz play, he just totally misread it, right? Like it's just he... They're blaming the sky, but when they showed the background after the play, it looked dark enough to me that you could find a baseball. It kind of looked like just based on kind of where you know some of the Astros fans were tweeting out photos. I think, I think ATX Hobo Girl was kind of in that general area. It looked like the lights were pretty bright, but he he clearly just he lost it. Well, he lost it right from the right from contact. Yeah. Right. He, uh, as soon as it was hit, he had at one and then two palms to the sky. Like I can't see it. I can't find it. Problem I got is he found it. Once he found it, there's no excuse for not being it. You could still make that play. You don't have to dive. You don't have to do the reaction he did because you could see when he found it, it wasn't like last second where he's got to get to the ground. That ball was above his shoulders and somehow found the palm, the web, his chin, his nose, and then the grass. And I'm going, 
Why did I just watch a pinball machine Dude. when I should have watched a routine fly ball? It was that that play surprised me a lot more than the Jake play, just because Jake feels like he's due for something like that once a week. Well, was it a couple weeks ago when he took that ridiculously bad route to a ball yeah. in, in deep center, or the ball the week before? You're right; it's almost a week at a time. The ball that if he doesn't dive for it in right center, he keeps the the winning run from scoring in a game. Like these are the brain farts that I'm talking about of a guy that. If you're a, if you look, if you're just a fill-in center fielder, a fill-in outfielder, it's understandable because you're not taking the reps out there. You're not doing the pregame like you're starting. You're starting majority of the games for this team, and when you're out there, you're expected to be a top ten defender, even if you don't hit. This is, you know, I think we need to talk about like the the history of the Astros. One thing that's gotten often, I think, overlooked, specifically, let's go back to like 2019, the best team probably of all time that's never won a championship. When you look at that team versus this one. The lineup has completely changed, but I still have faith that this offense, when healthy, can produce to a similar level as that, even though the talent is so different. The pitching, so different. Like, you don't have Verlander and Cole, but, like, can they be good enough to win a World Series? Absolutely. The one thing that when you go back to, This year's team, you think absolutely? I still think so. Javier is the biggest question. I still think that they figure it out, that, like, when they get into the playoffs... I think the trade deadline has to figure out. Yeah. But the one difference between like a, like a 2019 team versus this one, and even last year, is you have downgraded so substantially defensively that it's just it is a different product. You know, you don't have Yuli at first base, you don't have Correa at short, you don't have Springer at center field. Like those are elite position players. You know, just defensively alone, you just haven't come close to replacing them, and that's where I feel like this year. Even more well, than last, you are seeing the Astros play worse defense. Pena's played last night in the hole was amazing. He he has some moments where... And his jump throws are great, but then he turns the routine into a kickball contest, right? So he's I understand what you're saying. Carlos. And it's interesting to me when you're, you're throwing out those names too, and now Springer is a right fielder. But we knew he would run into a wall, go over a wall. He could make the diving play in on a ball. Even Marisnik was better than Jake Myers. Sure. And... When you look at it, the one name that Dre brought up that I feel this way, but I'm also careful enough to know that Astros fans are hyper-protective of Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker wins gold gloves just because he makes, aside from the play the other night, right? He doesn't make the five-star catches because he doesn't attack baseballs like that. I think he's always kind of on speed three when he never and never hits speed five. Yeah. But I don't, I think he's got a good arm. I just don't know if Kyle Tucker plays at speed five. That's what I'm saying. I think he kind of, he, he lopes more than he sprints. I kind of agree with that. But I'm not faulting him. I think he's a really, really good player. But I think that when you don't have the other two defenders at a really high level, it all takes its toll as an outfield to where you don't get to enough baseballs and you don't make enough of those kind of plays like they used to do. Yeah, it's just it's one thing that when you go back through this this golden era of Astros baseball, you knew the Astros weren't going to have those defensive miscues that like the Yankees had on that play to, uh, to Gary Sanchez at home when the Astros beat him. Like they don't have those defensive miscues in their history over the last six years that it feels like when you go into the postseason this season, assuming they make it, which like I said, I think they will, you just don't feel as confident right now. And that's where like, I would still like to see Chaz in center field every day. Yep. I would like to get a left fielder and just do something because to you me, know what, Joe? 
It's just not perfect. The way the Astros have handled the trade de- deadline in the past, and, and they keep echoing this, which I remind people that even now with Click gone and, and Dana Brown there, they're still doing it. They treat it like they're looking for insurance policies. This year, it's far, it, it's, it's far more important, and it's far greater than an insurance policy because if the starting pitching is to do what you think it's, it's capable of doing, they need help. If the outfield, not even defensively, offensively first, but defensively overall as well, they need help. Because, again, you're relying on a Corey Jolks who's never played a playoff game in his life, let alone a major league full season, yeah. and you're suddenly thinking he's going to be your savior. You've got Chaz, who as much as he's been your savior, a lot of ways, especially offensively and sometimes defensively, who still has brain farts and, and hiccups. You've got Jake Myers, who basically, to me, no matter what anybody thinks, should be Jake Marisnik. He should be your backup outfielder, center fielder. He could be a defensive, defensive replacement, though I hold my breath. But I don't think he's right now the kind of everyday player you need. And therefore, this deadline shouldn't be about insurance policies. This deadline has to be about getting better. Well, how does a second-place finish in the American League Cy Young sound? How does a uh, an outfielder that already has 27 home runs this year sound? Because that's two guys the Astros are being connected to. We talk about it next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5. Stop being a f-ing baby. Oh, the signal, it's, it's all staticky. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George filling in for Jeremy Branham and Joel Blank, as usual, here on the Killer Bees. Still 3 o'clock with you today. You can find us on Twitter at Pacman Joel, at Joe George Radio, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. And you guys can get in here at 713-780-3776. How would you feel if you woke up on August 1st and by the time the Killer Bees was over, Joel, Dylan Cease and Luis Robert were Houston Astros. Well, I mean, obviously I'd feel great, but I'd have to know what we're giving up because I know that... Great question. There's a lot that has to be added to that package that isn't like trying to get the rentals we've been talking about, whether it's Stroman and Bellinger or anybody else in the last year of their deal where you know going in that with a depleted farm system like the Astros, you don't have to give up much to salvage something... you salvage your season and get a position player or two that you sorely need. This is a totally different conversation. Yeah. Luis Robert and Dylan Cease have two and a half years left on their contracts. Each? Each. Ooh. So that's good, though. Like, that's the best hitter and the best pitcher potentially available at the deadline. Now, I was listening to Ozzy Guillen this morning do an interview. With an interpreter? No, just on the radio. Okay. Um. He didn't know Jeremy's Pena, Jeremy Pena's name. He knows Paul Gallant's. No, he doesn't. But he just the, lights him. But the first, when they asked him, would you trade Dylan Cease and Robert to the Astros or any team, he focused in on Houston, and he started with, I want that shortstop. Like, that's where he started. And I think that's a really, let's start there. You're talking to the White Sox. You can get Dylan Cease for two and a half years. Luis Robert for two and a half years. It's that to me, like you're getting a guy that is a superstar prospect and player in the outfield. 
And you're getting a guy that finished second in the Cy Young last year behind Justin Verlander. Like, that is a win now and over the next two years move. So it totally trade changes the trade conversation. So if, they, if the first thing the White Sox said was, Jeremy Pena, your response is? I'm still listening. If you're, okay, all right. I like where this is going because same, same. I like Jeremy right, Pena. I'm not out, but I'm not in, but I'm listening. I because like I got to hear what the rest of the package is. Um, Hunter Brown. Okay. I'm thinking about it. I'm Again, I'm not out. Yep. But how far are you going to go? Because I know I already know in my mind, depending on how far you go from there, that I got a counter. Luis Garcia. Damn he's it. an interesting one See, because he might not pitch next season, but like I feel like if if someone called, like he could honestly be a piece that a team like the White Sox would want. See, I believe he still has a, and a lot of guys that come off of Tommy John these days are actually stronger-armed pitchers when they come off of them. Now, you do also have the guys that end up with multiple Tommy Johns, and then it's never the same. But a lot of these guys now, when they come back from Tommy John surgery, their arm is actually stronger, and they're better off in the long run for it. I've seen too much good of Luis Garcia to not think that when he comes back, he can't be a long-term piece of this puzzle. So I'd be real hesitant to trade him at that as part of this deal when I'm already trading one of my future pieces in Hunter Brown. So I get that you're giving up two pieces with two and a half years left each that are proven. Actually, real real quick on that. I made a mistake. Okay. Uh, Luis Robert is signed through 2027. Okay. So he has four years left. That's great. And the last two years, and this is a salary, 12 and a half, 15, and then 20 and 20. Let me tell you why that's great, because Kyle Tucker's coming up. And I've already told you that I don't think that they are going to put on the table the years and the money that Kyle Tucker wants. And Jeremy and I have both said we both believe that he is not going to be an Astro when this contract expires. Well, we talk about insurance policies that the Astros are always looking for. There's your insurance policy. There's your stud. There's your second bat to go in the middle of the lineup with Jordan Alvarez that gives you the pop. There's your answer. And, and that's where it, that just makes it even pricier. Like, I think you're talking about four major pieces because the last name I throw out there, like, if I'm the White Sox, I want is Drew Gilbert. Like, I'll give you Jolks, or I'll give you Jake, and or I'll give you another major league player like that. I'm not giving you my best position player in the minors as much as I because I'm already giving you my best best pitching prospect who happens to be in my rotation. But the thing is, is that Luis Robert he he replaces Drew Gilbert, like he replaces Drew Gilbert. But is he going to play center his whole career? Well, he can play left. I was going to say so. Eventually, he he, he, maybe he could play right. Yes, because then Jordan can play left. And eventually he becomes your right fielder like Springer did. He's a center fielder that eventually goes to right. Yeah. I get that, but I think that's where I'm going to start padding the brakes a little bit, and that's where I'm going to counter and say, hey, leave Gilbert off the table if I'm considering giving you Brown and Garcia, which I still don't like. I'll give you one, not both. Yeah, I probably probably would say the same thing. I, I would probably want to do one with Eric Getty or something Eric like that. Eric Getty's fine. If you want Eric Getty's part of the deal, this is where Jeremy and I, and Jeremy and I talked about this yesterday. I'm the guy that likes to give up the prospects more because look at the Verlander trade. Look at the, the Grinky trade. Look at a lot of the trades where everybody's like, whoa, you're giving away a lot of prospects for these guys. How many of those prospects are one in the big leagues and two when they get to the big leagues worth a dime? Because they're not. And more times than not, it doesn't pan out. I was against Bregman going for Chris Sale, but I'm totally for looking at these deals and going, I'll give you Arrogate. I'll give you minor league players. I'll give you first-year major league players or guys where there's a log jam like one of the center fielders. 
easily. And I don't I, want to give up two pitching prospects, starting pitchers, because it's too valuable. But I'm even entertaining because I'm, again, like you said, if I'm giving up a Hunter Brown, I'm getting two and a half years of Dylan Cease, Cy Young caliber, big time pitcher at the top of my rotation guy to go with two guys I already still have, Javier and Fromber. And, now, and like, I don't think that these guys are really available. I think the White Sox would prefer to be doing Lance Lynn, Giolito, Eloy Jimenez. Sure. But the one way I think you could get the White Sox to move in this direction is is actually where like the Astros not having a farm system kind of makes this work. Like the White Sox are going to take two guys that are like their core pieces, and for the Astros to make this deal, they have to they have to trade big league talent because they don't have the prospects. But I don't think the White Sox want that either. Like the White Sox, they are run by an owner who just gave out his biggest contract ever and was still under seventy million dollars to Andrew Benintendi. Like getting Hunter Brown. How'd that work out? He's not great. No. But, like, this, I don't want to give up all these guys, but the only trade I would consider it at all to include pretty much half these players is for Dylan Cease and Luis Robert. This is not just a championship now move. This just continues to establish you as the best team in baseball. This is keeping the window open for another five years in my mind because I think that you would have real conversations at the end of the two deals and especially if they continue to win and they succeed, they're going to want to stay. You're going to want to pay because you're going to want to keep them. Now, it might get sticky because they might want a lot more years than you want to give up. But at the same time, you already, I mean, imagine for the next three years, an outfield that's Jordan, (laughs) Robert, and Tucker, which is unbelievable They would be smashing people. Abreu, as good as he's been the last month and a half, two months. Abreu's still at first. Bregman's still at third. Altuve's still at second. If Pena's in the deal or out of the deal, you can find a shortstop. And Dubon, I know Ocho loves this, but Dubon, if he's Dubon of this year, you lose a little in the field, but he's still athletic. He can still make plays, and he hits way better than Pena. And then you got Yiner Diaz behind the plate, and you've got a, a, a Cy Young guy to go with Javier and Fromber. And, you know, whoever else you're going to continue. And if McCullers comes back, mm-hmm. what are you not liking about this deal? It's it, This is where it, it's – I think it, people would be upset about Hunter Brown. I think the Pena reaction, just based on what we're seeing on the text line and on Twitch, would be 50-50. Like, it, it seems like some people are, are all for it, and some people would be so against trading Jeremy Pena. See, but I, I'm listening, and, and I'm fine. I'm content to get these two guys if this trade were to come to fruition and have Mauricio Dubon be the shortstop every day. Like he's for the played, rest of this year. And if it doesn't yeah. work out, you can yeah. find another shortstop. But you had Maldi batting ninth in your lineup, and he, he was basically an out waiting to happen. Even if Dubon falls off the planet offensively, you can find another shortstop. Way easier to do even half of what you need, what other shortstops are demanded to do because of how strong the rest of your lineup is. All right, now I think we've been living in fairy tale land a little bit, okay? I know Michael Schwab reported that the Astros are exploring the possibility of acquiring these two guys. Two, two different sources said it, right? Uh, John Heyman reported that the Astros' dream is to acquire Dylan Cease. So if you can only choose one between these two guys, big name guy, Luis Robert, Dylan Cease. We talk about it next. He's Joel Blank. I'm Joe George. The Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5.
ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. I don't get it. You never know what you're going to get. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Joe George and Joel Blank here on the Killer Bees with you Killer today. Jays. Killer Jays. Uh, Jays, Trays, and Fadeaways. Uh, Brandon's back on Monday. No, so he enjoy is the not. next three days. Uh, I'm with you tomorrow as well, Joel. And then uh, PC will be with us on Friday. Will he be on time? What are the odds? <laughs> what are the odds? Friday. Plus PC money. on time. Plus what are we money? doing? Um, uh, three four five one says you're giving up way more than what y'all are talking about for both those guys. I mean, I don't know if I want to give up more than that. Wait, who says we're giving up more than that? I think if the White Sox think that they're getting a guy, see, I, if it was Luis Robert, Jeremy, I mean, uh, Luis Garcia, Jeremy Pena, Hunter Brown, Drew Gilbert. I don't think Gilbert's in that deal. I think Jolks might be in that deal. I don't think Drew Gilbert ends up in that deal. I think then that then you're talking about too much because you're giving up Hunter Brown and Garcia. So you're giving up potential I two, know. two long-term top of, top, upper half of the rotation guys for the White Sox for two-plus of Cease. I'll have the conversation with you for those that want to that are fighting for don't give up Hunter Brown because we just got done saying it was unfair to already have the expectation that this kid was the next Verlander. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing why. Because there is no sure things in Major League Baseball, no matter what people see in a kid or how much his delivery looks like a guy. So you're looking at a guy that still we're hoping on, on and based on potential and what people have seen and said, could someday do this. You're getting a guy that can do that. What If you had to choose one in the deal, if, it was, if, if the White Sox said, fine, you won't give us Gilbert and Pena, is Pena the one that you'd be more likely to move in a deal for these two top guys? Or would you prefer Gilbert? Because he's still a prospect. Well, I was who, frankly, say, like, I know he's been hurt and they're still playing him, but he hasn't been great in double A. I always lean towards being the guy that would give up the prospect because you never know. Look, you gave up Daz Cameron in the Verlander trade. He was supposed to be the next coming of the five-tool Griffey Jr. type center fielder because Mike Cameron was his dad, and he was a really, really good player for a long time and because everything that we saw and heard of, you can't find him in Detroit doing anything, right? So Seth Beer going to Arizona, supposed to be the big hitting yeah. third, everybody. So I'd rather but give sometimes up. It's... I would rather give up Gilbert knowing that it's not a rental either. You get both of these guys at the top of their game for another two-plus years and you could still resign them, and you're guaranteed to keep the window open for the, the the next two or three. And on top of that, you definitely give yourself immediately the best chance to not only win the American League again, but probably coming down to you in Atlanta to be the best team in baseball. I will say, I think the Astros for the large part have just got lucky. Like I just for some reason, like they've made all these trades since 2017, and just for some reason, I mean, talking about like what hurts you the most, people are like Teoscar Hernandez. Like the, the well, work. the hater deal. Well, was... since 2017. Okay, okay. Um, so like since they were really competitive, because Hater was 2015. No, Hater was 17, wasn't it? I think it was. I thought it was. No, 17. I think you're right. No, I think you're right. So it was Josh Gomez. Hader. It was yeah. Gomez and Hater. Yeah, Gomez yeah, yeah. and whatever. And you got Fires. You gave up Gomez. You got Gomez and Fires. You gave up Hater and 
Who else was even, in that deal? I don't even there remember. was someone else that was good in that yeah. deal. Yeah. But like when you look at like the Astros trade history, like it's overall like you've won like 90% of the trades that these two GMs before Luno and Click have made. You're likely going to lose one at some point. And and to me, like there's enough reward potential in giving up those four guys, including Gilbert, to get this done. Like I just I'd rather give up Gilbert than Peña because Peña's already proven to you that he was clutch, man. He's been clutching the big moments. He it wasn't too bright of a stage, and more so than anybody being critical of him this year, he's still an above average shortstop in this league. So let's say you can't get both. It's too much. Dana Brown doesn't want to mortgage all of those pieces for two guys, but you know they're, they're working on a deal with the White Sox, and you're saying okay. We can get a deal for Cease or Luis Robert done. Don't worry about who you're trading away, but you can just, same deals even, you can get one guy back. Which would you prefer for this team? Because that's, I think the answer is Luis Robert. I I, I think. He's, see for, here, he's on here, your team until yeah, 2020, was it nine? Here's my 2027. thing. 2027. If I'm thinking big picture, right? If I'm, it, it, it's two ways of focusing. If if I'm dialed into trying to win it this year, because you're getting Altuve and be getting Jordan back, then I would be leaning cease because I know that for this year, with all the issues you've had with starting pitching, sure, most of that is taken care of with a guy that good. If you're talking about keeping this run alive, whether you win it or not this year, you're talking about Robert because of the Tucker situation, because you already have a built-in replacement that might be more willing to accept a deal and stay than a Tucker who wants to, you know, explore the market and play the game. So, and in the meantime, for the short, for the, for the short term of the next two years, you're the, you're what, the best offensive outfield in baseball, probably. Yeah. And, and, and Robert, just to clarify what I said, it's, it's through 2027, not ending at 2027. He'll be 29 when that contract ends. So like, he's not going to get a 10 year deal that puts him to like 39, like Kyle Tucker potentially want. You're probably talking about the same time frame though. Which is why, like, I don't get the like. What are you going to give Luis Robert twenty nine, a six year contract? So when he's thirty five, you're going to go for a four year contract. Well, that's or, what I was going to say too. He's older, he's experienced, yeah. So he's going to be more. Uh, it'll probably be his last big deal. But I think that if he's in a winning situation, it might be okay. It might you might be able to find a, a happy medium and in there. Like that, look, we're talking way down in the future. But so your your team cease if you can get one. I'm I'm team Robert. I just I think that. For the the long term of giving up these high well, no, level I players, I said if 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 it's just for this with this season in mind because this is what you need. I've said all along, this is what you target first. You have to target starting pitching first to me, simply because you don't know what you're going to have the rest of the season because you don't know what you're going to get out of Javier. Sure, you don't know what Hunter Brown is. You don't know if Urquidy's going to be able to help. But if you add Cease to Fromber, and then whatever you get in the back end of your of your starting pitchers, your three and your four. And you've got multiple guys to choose from. You're better off. Um, but what if? What would you do? Like if you were Dana Brown, would you? Trade? Oh, I, I think the answer is is and you're, even if you don't, pub, you're never going to publicly say this. But even if you just say I'm going to roll with the pitchers for this year, knowing I probably don't have enough if they're pitching the way they're pitching to win the World Series. I know after this year, I'm a, I'm looking for some really really dominant baseball for the next two three years. I I love Dylan Cease. It's you you all have those trades as fans. That like make you sick to your stomach. He's one of mine. The Cubs traded him and Eloy Jimenez for Jose Quintana. That's right. That's one of the worst trades ever. Yeah. They they got nothing out of that. And then like 
Dylan Cease here would be awesome. But just the idea of Luis Robert in an Astros uniform through age 29, through 2027, I just can't turn it down. It's like, how much fun would this show be? People complain about this show and how much we talk about lineups. How much fun would this show be if we had Luis Roberts talk about what do you put your lineup together? I mean, if again, we talk about injuries this year. If you if you take injuries out of the equation and you put a lineup that has Altuve leading off. Who that, bats second, Joel? Right. I mean, you can, you can bat Bregman second if you want. Yeah, I guess. And you bat Jordan third, Robert, Robert fourth, Tucker fifth. Oh my. I, I mean, mean, if that doesn't make you just, I mean... You, if, even if you're not a camper, you're pitching a tent and you're absolutely ecstatic over yes. the fact that you're going to be camping on fun zone time for the next two, three years. It's just, it is, it's so hard to not see Luis Robert in this line. Now, the one thing, the, the, the one difference maker here, if you're going to choose, Robert does have some injury stuff. Maybe not currently. I know he, I, he got dinged up, I guess, during the Derby. But Joe, think about this. Injury stuff works with Dusty Baker type and the way the Astros do it because the days off are a plenty. And even if you're hot, they're gonna, it doesn't matter. You're going to get your rest. So we, we, we harp on that. But in this environment, with that much talent, it's a lot easier to give guys days off anyway. Dusty's going to do it. And if he's not the manager, I'm sure that because it's worked, it'll be something that stays within the system. He's going to be fine. All right, I'm going to throw one out here that I got, I got texted. Hunter Brown. And Kyle Tucker for Luis Robert and Dylan Cease. It's a lot. I don't mind. But giving- Robert is here through 2027, way longer than Kyle Tucker, who you're not get, who you're not resigning. I, I think I'd do it. <sighs> and again, Astros fans probably wouldn't because they're still emotionally tied to Kyle Tucker. But we look at how we started the show. Look how we talked about his defense when he's kind of he's loping instead of sprinting. Like he does things in such a way that it doesn't scream at you, superstar. I mean, I know that Berman lost his mind because late in the broadcast on ESPN they declared that that uh, he's a superstar. Kyle Tucker to me is a, is a really good player, but I'm getting Luis Robert and I'm putting him in the middle of a lineup where I know that his pop is better than Tucker. Like, the fact that he is big, strong, athletic, and he's going to be here longer than Tucker, and so is Jordan, by the way, because he's locked up already, and now you've locked up two big monster bats in the middle of your lineup. And again, Hunter Brown's potential. Cease has already been there, done that. Yeah, that's that's a... It, I, it part of me, the reason why I just... I My, my, my first blush answer is I, I would not want to do that. It's just because I want to I fantasize the idea more of of Kyle Tucker, Robert, and that's a murder. And Jordan row right all in there. the same lineup. I would rather find a way to accomplish that than include Tucker in the trade. But I mean, frankly, it, it's if you can get those two guys, you are by far the American League favorite. And what would just be like? It, it would be interesting if they pull this off. I I have my doubts oh, that I, this I, is. Even, I think it's all right now. At this, it, it's just been a fun 30 it's, minutes it's fun fodder and it's fool's gold for people to believe this is close to happening it's good to hear that they're talking but general managers talk to general managers every day i mean it just depends on who your sources are and how good they are to believe or not to believe that it's actually getting to like serious talks it's fun to fantasize i i just yeah 
it's it is fun to fantasize because it would just be it would be absolutely incredible if that was Dana Brown's first official move, like big time move is trading for two monsters. That just it totally changes the complexion of this team. All right. Texans training camp. It is officially under a week away. If you can lock up one guy before the season starts, because there are guys on the Texans roster that need contracts, who would you do? And plus, even though it doesn't mean everything, we got some Madden ratings for the Texans offensive line, and it's not pretty. That's next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5.com. Fighter of the night, man. You're a master of karate.